Welcome back, everybody, to the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast Fish Series. I'm your host, Aaron Broadus, and I'm here with co-host Greg Labonte of Maine Fly Guys. Um, so, Greg, I don't think there's a fish that we've talked about that gets you more excited than talking about muskie. Why are you so obsessed with this fish? Just give us a brief rundown about what makes you excited to hunt these fish. Muskie are the most challenging fish that I've ever targeted. And I am actively searching for more and more challenging types of fishing. I've caught plenty of brook trout. I've caught plenty of salmon, plenty of pike, plenty of lake trout, plenty of whatever. Muskie was really my last, you know, battle to conquer. And... So I've been fishing for them for a few years now, and I have, I have yet to conquer that battle. Like every other fish in Maine, I've conquered, and I feel comfortable attacking, and pretty much know that if I go out and target them, I'm, I'm going to catch a few. You know, I feel comfortable with that. With muskie, I have no idea. I, I have no clue. And so the fact that it's so challenging—it's your white whale. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. a white whale. It's just so difficult. And so that's just something that I've been searching for for many, many years is something to challenge me beyond my means, and muskie is it. And the fact that muskie are, you know, they're so isolated in Maine. Every other fish, you know, you're within earshot of a pretty populated town. Um, you can get, you know, isolated if you want, but I can catch a salmon pretty much wherever I can catch a brook trout pretty much wherever close to a, you know, populated town muskie, you can get truly isolated. I mean, to a point where if something were to go wrong, you know, if you're alone or if you're with one other, one other buddy, if something were to go wrong, you're in real trouble. And so there's a kind of like a, little aspect of danger to it. That's the best. That, That's why know, I track deer instead of sitting 50 yards off the road for them. I like to just get out there, and if I get lost... Yeah, it's, you know, there's... Yeah. Right, it heightens your senses. Yeah. Sense of adventure. Yes, so that and the final thing that really intrigues me about them is they are... They almost seem intelligent. Um, you get to witness them. As opposed to other fish are dumb. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, you almost get to see their behavior, whereas other fish, you really don't get to see them that often. Um, but muskie, you get this unique opportunity to see them for 30 seconds, 40 seconds sometimes, if you just let your fly sit there. like They are inquisitive, yeah. and other fish don't seem that inquisitive. They seem react first, think later. Yeah. Muskie are the opposite. They seem think first, react later yep. and that it just blows my mind that a fish could because a lot of your takes are right by the boat right? a lot of them are right by the time. boat yeah a lot of the times you see them just like they'll be following your fly and you're thinking there's no way that this fish is going to bite yeah there's just no way it looks so docile like a like a sad puppy you know like just like slowly flicking its tail following this fly, like it's studying it. And you're going, this thing's just uninter- uh, uninterested. You're right. You're Well, it's not, it's uninterested in eating it, but it almost looks interested in studying it. Like, what is this? Why is it in my habitat? 
how can I study it to learn from it? It's they just they seem to have a behavior uh, that's it's like a dinosaur, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's that's it's like unique. What a T Rex does right, like they don't just freak out right away. They kind of get you cornered and it's really study you. It's unique. It's unique, and so their uniqueness really draws me in. Um, yeah, so that's that's why I get excited cool. about them. Like that. Yeah, it's good. It's good opening. Yeah. Um, so in Maine, like I've fished Western Maine, down east, central, southern. I've even been up to parts of the county, like I fished like the mm-hmm. uh, like the Dubuque area, St. Mm-hmm. Freud and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I've ever been anywhere where there are muskie. So mm-hmm. where in Maine can people target muskie? So muskie are like the most northern extent, the St. John uh, drainages, basically, the St. John itself, and then its drainages where there aren't natural barriers or dams. So, um, you know, like the Allagash, there are the falls. Muskie can't get over them, so they can only go so far down the Allagash. And then um, Baker Lake was the first lake that developed muskie. Um, That's like northwestern Maine, uh, like really northwestern Maine, like as far northwest as you can go. Um, That was the first established population. That was in the 80s. Um, And then they kind of have dispersed throughout the St. John uh, River drainage. Pretty much wherever they can get to, yeah. they are. Um, so but we don't get them down here just because there are there are dams or natural falls that are stopping them from correct, from correct. Moving. So there is there's currently there's a limit to sort of where they can go, yeah. um, which is scary for yeah. sure because they they too will decimate brook trout. Yep. And salmon populations. So if somebody were to illegally introduce these fish to another another fishery, it could be pretty much... Oh, yeah, it's gone. See ya. It could be gone. Yeah, kiss yeah. goodbye. And it would be very detrimental. They, too, have a very um, sort of, you know, they have a need to explore almost. So if you put them in one lake, they are certainly looking to get to another lake. Yep. Um, so do not, do not move them. If you know anyone that's trying to move them, you should report them and get them thrown in jail or whatever the yeah, fine is. Operation Game Thief. Um, yes, yeah, so do not move them. Um, that being said, though, where they are, um, I would say is where I fished for them is the most beautiful parts of the state, untouched. Yeah. Like old forest growth, no for no you know in certain areas no logging. Um, it's rare. To see an old forest in Maine. I think in a Big Reed Pond, if you know where that is, it's a Arctic Char Pond, one of the last strongholds for Arctic Char in Maine. Yeah. Really popular in the Didn't news. They try to reclaim? Yeah, and earlier, I'm not sure when, but they've done a lot of studies with Big Reed. And, and, um, but on the backside, there's an old forest growth, and it's so unique. Like it, you see pine trees, like you, you think you see big pine trees in, you know, in Rangeley or in Moosehead, you think you see big pine trees, but you, You've never seen big pine trees until you've gone to an old well, never cut. forest, right? Ones that are 250 years old, you know. Cool. So it's it's neat. And some areas where muskie live present these opportunities where you just feel, you know, you're 10 miles away from any main river stem and you're 30 miles from a town of... A hundred people, right? You know, that's like your populated towns so in some of the areas. If you, you want know. to get that remote off the path, off the beaten path, feel 
muskie right here. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, you know, like pinnacle of getting off the beaten well, path. People go to the Allagash for nearly seven-day trips, so they mm-hmm. don't see anybody, right? They get out there, yep. they know it's super remote, but this is like doing that, but also targeting a fish that's also very hard to catch, too. Yeah, very hard to catch. Yeah. Cool. Um, can you give us a little, you started, you talked a little bit of history, you said Baker Lake, mm-hmm. Nades. Um when did they, were they introduced to Maine? Are they native? So, history? you can thank our northern friends in Canada for Muskie and Maine. And, I mean, they might have made their way down here eventually anyways, because of the St. John connection. But they were stocked, or, yes, they were stocked in Lake Frontier in 1960s in Canada. That connects to the St. John, gotcha. where there's no blockage. So, they were stocked in there by Canada, and they made their way down to the St. John drainage, Baker Lake, and all the, you know, connecting water bodies from there. There's a whole bunch. Um, And all, any, you know, so you can go from the Allagash to the east, working your way east down the St. John, and any little river that's connected has muskie. And then you can go west, as far as you can go west, and any little river drainage has muskie in it. Cool. And so... So you can fish for a big fish on some small water. Teeny tiny water. That's cool. Like 40-inch fish in a 20-foot wide stream. That's fantastic. You know? You'll go up some of these streams. You'll go down some of these streams or up them, and they'll look like what they once were, like a blue ribbon trout stream. Yeah. Like pristine water, great runs, great riffles, little pools, and you're like, boy, there should this should just be chock full of brook trout and salmon. Yeah. And before muskie came here, they were. I mean, the Allagash was one sure. of the world's premier trout fisheries, you know, St. John as well, you know, salmon, Atlantic salmon, brook trout. I mean, it had it all. Um, so that's... You think the introduction of muskie has oh, yeah. a lot to do with Oh, yeah, that. big time, yeah. yeah. I would say that is the reason. The reason yeah. yeah, and I, fortunately, I would say I'm fortunate to have never experienced that Yeah. because I would be really saddened to see it go because there are some people who are alive today who fished the Allagash in the 70s when muskie weren't really around where it was still a thriving trout population, yeah. salmon population. Um, and so I'm sure that those people are incredibly saddened to see that fishery go yeah, you know it's I'm, almost a story you don't hear about no you don't because it's kind of well it's kind of pat you know 50 years so you know so far removed now but yeah. um i've talked to people who are you know who talk about fishing you know these hatches on the and the last time i went to fish for them up in the uh, you know up north there was a hendrickson hatch and it was i've never seen it i've never seen anything like it yeah. i mean prolific like just ridiculously covering the water in no Hendrickson. Nothing. Crazy. Not one fish taking them. And I'm like, man, that's crazy, dude. It's just crazy. So you could easily, I could very easily imagine and see, boy, the the river is clean, yep. the flows are right, and the bugs are there. Yep. Trout and salmon could just be literally everywhere. But we have muskie now, and, you know, it's not going back. The muskie are here to stay, so there's no going back. Um... There's definitely, I would say there's not, you know, I guess I'd have to talk to people up there, but I don't see or I don't hear a big push to get brook trout back yeah. into that region because there's there's opportunities up there. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still well, rivers. You, what's, and, the, what's the water like up there? Is it um, 
Oh, it's beautiful. Cold, clear. It's cold, clear, and the St. John is not dammed. Yeah. So everything is natural. Yeah. Natural flows, the river. Get warm? So I guess a, I guess a big misconception that I might have mm-hmm. had for muskie is that I associate them as a green fish, meaning I think they're a warm water fish, but mm-hmm. they're probably not. They're not at all. Right. Um, they're similar to pike in the fact that they really like that sort of cooler water. Mm-hmm. And so in the summertime, um, I guess if you're looking to target them in the summer, up in you know the county, the summer, like July, is a good time to go. The mosquitoes are a little bit much. They're pretty large and in charge up there, but black flies are gone. Yeah. The river is low. You know, it has its summer flows, so it's very low. And like there are parts of the St. John that you can literally just walk across. And it's a huge river. If you've ever been to the St. John, it's just like the, the Kennebec or yeah. Andrew Scoggin to pronounce it. It's a massive river. I've only seen videos of it when it gets all the ice, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yeah. big ice dams in the yep. spring. But um, what makes it easy to target muskie is they seek out those deep, cooler pools. Mm. So if you can locate a deep pool, then you can find muskie. Whether they'll eat or not is... That's totally up to them. Sure. But you can find those deep pools, then you know, okay, a muskie's here for sure, for sure. How uh, how big do you think our population is? It's it's good size. It's good size. Yeah. There's, they're abundant. They're there. abundant. Yeah, they're abundant. Are there other types of fish that live in that in those bodies of water up there? Oh, yes. Um, do okay? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of suckers, you know. There's a lot of bait fish around for sure. Um, there still are some brook trout and salmon that live in the St. John, just very few, you know, just very few, but, um, there's bass, there's smallmouth in there. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, big, big smallies. Like some of them get, there's not a many, there's not a whole lot. Cause I think it's. Are there smell populations up there? Um, not really in the lakes. I'm sure there are some, but not really. So what are they, what are they eating? They're They're eating shiners. Common shiners, golden shiners, dace, uh, suckers. They gotcha. love suckers. Gotcha. Suckers is like, because that's, you know, there's so many suckers up there. Yeah. Um, but they're not like picky. What they're picky about is the size. Mm. Muskie are notoriously picky about the size of the food that they eat. Even from a very small age, there's like well-documented studies about, you know, a 1.5-inch muskie will only eat prey that falls between this size. They right. won't go. So it's like very, they're very particular about size. Yeah. Um, I have no idea why, but they're very particular about it. So they're not particular about what they eat, but they are particular about one, sort of the size of the prey and two, um, when they eat. Yeah. That's like super, super particular. Cool. Um, so let's talk about before we kind of get into like seasons and and Mm -hmm. like what, what exactly are they? Eating or what type of flies you're using and mm-hmm. stuff. Because I know that a lot of musky flies are like huge flies, right? Like if you yeah. think you're casting a big sock. And yeah. Um, what are you using for, uh, well, let's ask this question first. I'm assuming there's no waiting opportunities for them. No, there is. There is. Oh, there is. They're rare. They're rare. But there definitely is. Cool. Um, you'll have to do quite a bit of recon spelunking to go and find it. <laughs> but um, But there definitely is. And I would say in the summertime, the St. John. Yeah. Because if you've ever been up there, you know, again, it's so crazy that because we don't really know what a natural river looks like in Maine. Nobody really knows because almost all of our rivers in Maine are dammed. So So we don't even know. 
people don't know that if the Androscoggin in the summer or the Penobscot in the summer or the Kennebec in the summer was not dammed, that you could just walk across it right. no matter where you are. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't so, have those impoundments. That, nope. That just everything would be shallow and low and all the fish would have to retreat to their summer holes or go into lakes and like, you know, yeah. whatever. But so the St. John, you can definitely walk for in places for miles. Yeah. And just walk when it's in the summer and the, the water's low. Just walk the shore because it's so exposed. So you'll have 100 yards of shore exposed yeah. that you could walk for, for miles. So what's the bottom like in the summertime? Or what's is it all like gravel and rock uh, or is it freestone? Some of it's, uh, part of it's it kind of mixed, kind of yeah. mixed. It's definitely less freestone. It's more like bouldery yep. than gravelly. Some stretches are gravelly. You know, you'll get those when like... When I think of freestone, I think of like bouldery or like yeah. just big rocks and great pockets and stuff. Yeah, there it's a little a mix of both. It's a mix cool. of both. It definitely transitions. Even within like a certain section, you'll have like a bouldery section, but then you'll have a, a sandbar that goes on for, you know, a thousand yards or yeah. something. So, so it, have you done some weight fishing for them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Unsuccessfully. Yeah. There is some spots um, where you can go and target some smaller fish. Yeah. Um, if you're not after the big boys, the, the smaller fish, I know some spots where you can go and wade and, you know, fish for them on pretty small little sections of stream or outlets or inlets. And, um, yeah, you could totally target them tough to get to, but you could totally go after it. If you're after, you know, the 20 to 30 inch fish and yep. you want to catch them, there, there are some spots to go to. So you prefer to target them out of a, a boat. Yeah. Are what are we talking here? Are we talking like a jet boat? We're nope. talking like a canoe. We're Just a canoe. Like, yeah. Um there is a man who I'll throw this is unsolicited. Del Harrington uh fishes out of a boat on the St. John and he is like I would say the musky guru of, yeah, even I know of he guides. He's the musky guru. He runs so. musky connection. I, I met yeah. him a few years ago. Really yeah. nice guy. Yeah. He's so, moved to Rangeley, actually, and does... I have no idea. Yeah, I think he's doing some camps on Moose Look or something like that. Um, but yeah, he, he knows... He he's knows the, the Yeah, he's the guy. And uh, so, yeah, so I prefer a canoe. Um, I like to target them in the summer um, because just the weather's great. I mean, it's just... It's the best. It's yeah. just the best. In the summer, like, you know, even July, during the dog days of summer, it's not as good fishing um, because they kind of shut down a little bit, yeah. but if you can get it in like mid July, late July, then it's just the best. Yeah. 75 out. The water it's is just a great flow. Yep. Environment. Great float environment. The water is still, it's not like bath water yet. It's still kind of cool, but, um, but it will heat up up there, won't it? Oh yeah. Well, oh yeah. So it still gets, cause it gets so low yeah. because you know, in, in August, you know, first week in August, it's so low. You get a string of 75, 85 degree days and the water is just boiling. Is, you know? There must be a dam on the St. John somewhere though, right? Like where does it flow out of? You don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a dam. Down. I don't think there's a dam. Interesting. Um, there, the only dam where there could be one is where it connects into the ocean, like that far down. But I don't believe that there is one. Um, oh, you're talking, because it, does it flow, does it flow east? It flows east, yeah. Yeah. Um, it would have to be in like the Grand Falls area, but yeah. I don't think that there is. But, um, but Grand yeah. Falls is where it, like borders Canada, right? It, on like the it, eastern. In um, in Maine, there is not one. Um, I think there there might be one in Grand Falls in Canada. I yeah. think possibly, yeah. um, but that's really far from you know 
where you are. Where I am. Like, yeah. that's even really far from, like, Grand Isle or, you know, uh, what's the Canadian? Ed- Edmonston. Yeah. Um, it's really far from there, even. It's, like, 50, so th- 50 I, miles. I from. guess I've only briefly looked on a map before, and I've just never been mm-hmm. there. But yeah. does the St. John, it's, it starts up in the northwest corner of the state, pretty much, like... Is it up by, like, Frenchville, like, that area? Like, where you're, like, way, way up there? Or? Oh, yeah. It goes, like, um, yeah, northwest, for sure. It goes all the way down and into Canada, I believe, um, for a bit by, like, I don't even know, kind of by uh, Sabumic. Oh, okay. You know where Sabumic is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of north northwest of that. Gotcha. Um, it dips into Canada, I think, for, like, a second up in that region. But yep. so it goes up, basically follows the outline of Maine. So it goes up kind of curves over to Allagash and then just heads directly east to all those Grand Isle, Edmondson, those uh, out, out that way. Cool. And then it goes through Canada. So it leaves Maine because it borders, you know, whatever, borders yeah. Maine and Canada. Yeah. And then it leaves Maine and then it just goes into. So, yeah, I think the first dam is in Grand Falls in, in cool. Canada. But, um, but yeah, so in Maine, not dammed at all, which is, like, great. Um, it's rare. It's so rare. I mean, incredibly rare, yeah. you know, just cra- crazy. But real. you like to be in a canoe on some of the smaller parts of water that time of year. Or, yeah. Or maybe even the big river itself. Yeah. There's, um, there's some really popular lakes, too, that are great for yeah. it, um, that are easy. You can fish out of a canoe, no problem. The smaller streams are also, they're just so cool. Um, it's easy. I posted on my Instagram account a few, um, few days or weeks ago. My buddy and I were up, and he's lugging a canoe with a trolling motor yeah. up a river. You know, that's Ben from Pocket Water Media. He, uh, we're lugging this canoe. We lugged it like six miles up river for like it took us like half a day to get to where we wanted to go. But we, it was such a cool experience. Like yeah. just lugging it up there, and we got to where we were going, and then we. When you say where you wanted to go, is this like Google, like Google Earth, like? Recon or this is like actually talk to people. Recon. Do you want to hear this story? Do we have time for a quick story? Of course we don't, okay. don't give away anything. <laughs> okay. But. So we're in the um we're in the Hannaford, right? What's that? What's the border town with the border crossing? Fort Kent, right? Yes, yes. We're in the Hannaford for Fort Kent. Yeah. And so we're talking about it. We're talking about, oh, you know, I uh, you know, just let's go here, let's go here, let's go here. Um and this guy, this local, overhears us talking, and he goes, "Oh, you guys going musky fishing?" We said, "Yeah, sure, yeah." He said, "Oh, are you guys rod and reel or fly?" We said, "No, just fly." And he's like, said something, and he goes, "Oh, you got to go here," and he gave us this spot, and he goes, "Tough to get to. There's two ways to get to it, but you know, you got to go here." And we were like, "Okay, sure, sure, <laughs> okay." Like, we, you know, this was our first time and your up whole there. Plan just instantly changed. Yep. So our whole thing changed. We were like, "Okay," so we went, whole like. Drive so we drove to it the first time, and he kind of warned us about how it was sketchy. I've I've been on some pretty rough roads before, like pretty rough roads. This was like the <laughs> my buddy had his new truck. I felt so bad, but he he had his new new Tacoma, you know, classic fly fishing truck. Everyone has to have a Tacoma if you're no, in fly, of course. So no so <laughs> so we're going down, and it's like it's not even narrow. It's it's too narrow for like a side-by-side to get down and we're taking his truck down it so whatever we're like well we're too far now and there's we go down this massive hill with these huge ruts in it and we're like God, we can't back up like we can't there's just no way right. so we push through a scrape or two comes on his truck and we get to this spot and it's just like 
you know, it's like it's six miles upstream from where we want to go, uh, from the uh, St. John, and it's like beautiful, oh, just like take your breath away, beautiful. Yeah. And we go upstream, and we just got a little canoe with a little electric towing motor and a little battery, you know, and so we're going upstream. And we fished down it, and there, there he was right. The guy was right. That's cool. Yep. He so was you motored right. up and came back down. Yep. Motored up, floated back down to the truck, yep. and then we kind of went back up again, did the float again, and yep. you, like, we, we went up for probably 30, 40 minutes just cruising up, and we could have cruised up for another like three or four hours. That's crazy. So I think we want to go back with a gas motor. Because, like, a small, because something that we could just keep pumping, because battery only lasts so, so long. Nine, nine um, hours or something like yeah. that. But, and honestly, like, if, God, you could you could camp out there, for yeah, sure. You know, sure. you could do a, sort of a little pull-off. Um, but, yeah, so it was, it's, uh, it's spots like that that make me, like, you know, man, I want to go back, you know, yeah. right now. Like, right. it just, well, it takes your breath away. Yeah. But. I love it. But, yeah, so that's, that's how we, that's, that's how we awesome. found, so the, the next time we went there, we were like, you know what? We'll just walk up because the river's shallow enough where you can walk up until yeah. you get to the spot where we need to go. Then it's deeper. Yeah. That's why we wanted to go there because it's deeper. Um, and so <laughs> foolishly, we looked on a map and we were like, oh, pff, whatever, it'll just take us half a day. You know, we'll just spend it, hike we it, you know, and uh, lugging the canoe up. Again, this is like a blue ribbon trout stream. Yeah. So imagine lugging a canoe up a blue ribbon trout stream. Right. With a battery and a trolling motor and your lunch and all that stuff. Yeah, you feel like a weirdo. Yeah, so it was weird, but you know, <laughs> again, we saw um, we saw a moose in the river with a baby moose, a bit my mama moose with a baby moose, and it looked at it. We were like four miles up, and it looked at us like, "You guys are lost." Like yeah. it was like I've never seen anything that looks oh, like you before, and it just continued like to drink its water. The baby was like. What's up, guys? You know, and then just slowly went away. Like you're not threatening. Look yeah. at you, sacks of flubber. You mean <laughs> nothing to me. You know, like it's the least threatening thing. So yeah, so it was. It's cool. It's cool. Authentic um, Maine, right there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was a good experience. So cool. Yeah, I, I've I tell people I'm like you know we got what do we got a million acres up there at least like northwest of Baxter, north of Moosehead, like that old corner. It's gotta be. I mean, Baxter's two hundred thousand itself, so it's got to be over. It's got to be um, that northwest corner. That's primarily where we go. That northwest corner, or that you know, that no- area, that north region. north, like north um, from Fort Kent to Subumic, yeah. That like region, yeah. So untouched. Yeah. I mean, just so untouched. But the distances, I say, if you're gonna go chase them, you need time. Yeah. Like you can't go for a day. You can't even go for two days or three days. You no. need five. It's a, you it's need a trip. It's yeah. not a day. You need five days because it takes like there are places you're like oh let's go hit this river, and you're like oh it's three hours away. Yeah. You know, and so it's you need time to go chase them, and then you know people are like wow this sounds great, and there are like forty inch fish in these small streams. So you know, cool. Twenty pound fish in these small streams. Yeah. The state record for muskie is thirty one pounds, I think, or thirty two pounds. And I've seen them. I've seen them. Like, I've seen monsters yeah. that just haunt your dreams, you know? And uh, so I know they're in there. Um, and they're in just these incredible places. You would never dream. 
you're you're just fishing with a ridiculous fly and you're like in the trout stream and you see a 36 inch fish slowly swimming behind it That's and you're insane. like what is going on yeah. <laughs> like what is going on yeah. so yeah so it's interesting but um folks if you're listening if you can't tell the excitement this kid's just been grinning for the last <laughs> like 15 minutes here so oh they made me so excited he loves it um let's talk uh Let's talk seasons, but not flies. So just like, okay. what's your favorite seasons to go? And, and before you do that, I've also I've also heard that muskie traditionally on the fly rod is the fish of 10,000 casts, they say. That is correct. And some people in Maine have kind of dubbed them like the fish of 1,000 casts. That is also correct. It might be a little easier to catch them here than, because they're really big out Midwest, right? Yep, yep, Midwest, huge Midwest. And... I would say that our muskie and the Midwest muskie are different. Mm. They're different. Like the things that apply out there don't apply here. Interesting. Our muskie are a little smaller. Yeah. So like a 30-pound muskie out there is big. Don't get me wrong. It's big out there. But these are great. Like but it's not, it's, not, it's not the giant. Yeah. You know, 30 pounds here is a giant. 50 pounds out there is a giant. Gotcha. So 30-pounders are pretty common, I would say, out there. You know, I, I pretty common, but you know, as common as common as a thirty pound fish yeah, can be. Right. And uh, so yeah, so season. So in May, they spawn um, when the water hits forty eight, forty nine, or fifty degrees. Yeah. So that's when they spawn. They spawn in heavy vegetation. That's you know sometime in May usually. A lot like pike then, huh? Yep. Yep. A lot like pike, except they're well, kind of same thing with pike. They're looking for like floodplains mm. that have heavy vegetation where. They use the spring rise and flow. They go, they do their eggs, their eggs hatch in uh, 10 days, and then boom, that's it. So right after that is a good time to go because they have just spawned and they're looking to put the feedback on. Yeah. The issue is the water's really high, mm-hmm. so it's kind of difficult to navigate and get around. Um, but that's a good time. So June, great time because they're looking to put the feedback on. So they're feeding more regularly, mm-hmm. and that is like half the battle. Is finding when they're feeding. Yeah. That's half the battle. And so June is great. Um, July, I think, is great too. I think they're, they haven't hit that summer sort of lull. Yeah. Um, and so before, you know, the really warm and really low water come. The low water, I think also, they, they're not spooky. They don't get spooked. But I think they're a little more on guard when the water's lower, like sure. all like all I fish are, fish you know, are, right? Yeah. Like all fish. Um, so, but I like July. Just the weather's great. Floating is great. The flows, everything's great. Yeah. Um, a lot of wildlife buzzing around. You know, it's just July is a great month. August, um, they have the annual muskie tournament in August. Interesting. Um, it's the first week in August, like August first to fourth, and last year. I believe seven or eight fish were posted. So, you know, I'm sure some more were caught, but only seven or eight were posted, and 200 fishermen entered that tournament. Yeah. And only seven or eight were even worthy of, like, posting. That's crazy. So they definitely, they dip, um, they dip activity in the warm month. Yeah. For sure. For sure, they do. Why do you think they have the derby during that month then? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. The derby is like tradition. Yeah, it's just tradition yeah. and whatever. But um, one guy, I don't know his name, and I don't know who he is. I hope he listens to this. But he's like the musky master. He wins every year. Like he can, he just knows where monster musky live. He, I'm pretty sure he lives up there. I can't. I wish I could remember his name. 
but he, I don't know how he catches them or what he catches them with or anything, but he's he's a musky genius up there. So um, I feel like if you don't live up there, that it's just foreign. It's just foreign. It's foreign to you. People probably think I'm lying up here. They probably think I'm lying, but it's it's yeah, it's different. So anyway, so August goes by, um, and then the waters start to cool again, mm. and they're putting their feedback again on again. Yep. So the cooler months are typically when most people fish for them. It's like a popular time. October, yeah. um, late September, October. Similar to a lot of fish we have here. You yeah, know, for sure. Shoulder yep. seasons. Yep. So. And uh, and then people hammer them then too, and then the ice comes, and people have great success uh, ice fishing for them. Yeah, I've seen a lot of yep. posts this past winter of people yep. skiing. And... So there's a couple lakes up there that hold good populations of... Does the river ever shut down? Does it have a season, you know? No, I don't. I don't believe it shuts John's down. No, I don't believe it does. Muskie have no um, classic Maine. Muskie have no <laughs> regulations. regulations. Yeah. None. Keep whatever you want. Yep. Keep whatever you want. Kill whatever you want. Don't matter. Muskie stink, and it's like you know. <laughs> yep. The we were talking earlier. If people have been listening consecutively, uh, we were talking about how these small towns could use a boom from pike. The Allagash could use a boom from musky. Yeah. And, like, I mean, if any towns in Maine could use a boom from a fishing industry, it's the St. John River Corridor. Yes. They're so poor. Yeah. There's so few things to make money up there. Fort Kent, you know, if you, you either work at the, the college or the hospital. Right. You know, and it's like... The potato, the potato farm. The farm, you're a farmer. It, it, there's just, there's not a lot of things to do up there to make money. Yeah. And there's a lot of guides... You know, there's a lot of people who are guiding. If you could add fish into that, mm. you know, then boom, that's just another wave to profit. And they they say in their management plan something about, well, they're worried about the muskie spreading, you know. So I'm saying, okay, if you're worried about them spreading and you're not doing anything, how is that helping to deter the spread? Right. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, what is that doing? Just manage for them. Just manage for them yeah. and try to make them – they're right now, it's tough for them to get anywhere yeah. because of the natural blockages. They can only go, you know, in Maine as far – you know, in Maine, they can only go to where they've been. There's, yeah. They're pretty much maxed out. There's really no other places that they can get to, you know, unless there's some crazy flood, yeah. you know, a 200-year flood or something. Which I understand that that could happen, right. and then does that but that's things, not managing? For but them. that's just happening, right? That's you just going to no happen. Even if you're not managing, sure, that's going to happen. Right. So why not manage for them, and try and make some, you know, some some mega mega musky. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe they think it's not worth it because there's not enough fishing pressure. Yeah. Like there's just there's very little, very few people fish for them. It, well, I mean, locals locals do for sure. The state and, doesn't stock. Bass. The state doesn't stock pike. The state doesn't stock all these these green fish because mm-hmm. everything's all about trout. Mm-hmm. It's all about trout. It's all about trout. It's all about trout. But at the end of the day, you know, if you were to kind of change the message a little bit and then show people how fun it is to catch these fish, mm-hmm. right, and kind of yeah. push it as something that's fun for everybody and yep. cool. And, and bass fishing is growing in Maine. Oh yeah, for sure. A while. Yeah, for sure. But it's huge down south, right? Huge. Like, huge like like they have so it's like musky out midwest and midwest yeah Whew. yeah that's a that's a huge, huge that's a huge money maker out west so but it's not here it's not here it's not not celebrated pro- not celebrated right 
not managed, not celebrated, not yeah. pushed, not nothing. And like the derby, the derbies just kill all. Yeah. Which, you know, is whatever. There's so few fish that are killed <laughs> that it's not really a big deal. Right. But, but you if know. you're also worried about trout and salmon populations, right? Yeah. Like, why not take some pressure off it and promote something else that we have that's yeah. very abundant? Yep. And regulate it too, right? Yep. So that you have trophy fisheries and you'll just get a bunch of like yep. middle sized musky. Yeah. You know? I yeah, I agree. So it's it's yeah, it's a tough one. And I guess that's what I want. I'm obviously biased because I love muskie. I guess the people of the town, I'd like to see what they think. I know I've talked to some of them, and they are like, yeah, we love muskie. Like right. that's, I was thinking maybe some people are like, I don't want anybody up here. This is my little... Right, but, you know... That's why I live up here. The the people who live there, the true, you know, native people, they... If I could say, hey, would you mind an extra, you know, 10 grand to bring people muskie fishing? I'm sure they'd be all for that. Right. I'm sure they'd be all for that. Right. And, you know... I don't know. It's it's an interesting, I guess I'd have to get a true sense of what the people up there are thinking. But from what I can tell, the locals, they understand the trout and salmon are not coming back to those areas. If they want to go catch trout and salmon, they're going to have to go somewhere else because yeah. there's just too many muskie. They've taken a stronghold. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. And I think there's still, in the fish biologist world, I think there's still some old timers who like know about what it was like before muskie. Yeah you know, in the eighties and seventies. And so it's like, that might still be hanging on. I maybe in the next 20 years when those people are cycled out and the new people only know muskie, cycled out. He's just a science guy. you know, then, <laughs> then when they punch the clock when they punch the clock, then they, then maybe muskie will get the attention that, you know, could really benefit that area. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really could. Because, I mean, you and I have been, and pe- people listening, people all over this country have been to places where it's an old rundown mill town, but there's still really good fishing around there, right? Yep. Or there's just good fishing, yep. and there's nothing else. There's no yep. industry there, and these yep. towns actually do pretty well yeah. off of that. You know? I went, so I was fishing. I mean, look at the Delaware River in New York, right? Yeah. Like, yep. those towns yes. are beat, man. Beat. Yep. They're beat. They're all run down and stuff, but those people are surviving basically yep. off of fishing you know you eat at their diner you yep. stay at their bed and breakfasts you you know buy yep. from their fly shops yep. and other stuff so bend i went to uh bend oregon to fish and uh <laughs> yeah, there's bend fish. oregon it was this little itty bitty town it had three fly shops it's crazy three fly shops and they were all like better than any fly shop we have here in the state yeah and they uh that was pretty much the town like they had a little market. They had a little yeah. coffee shop and three fly shops. You know, and it was there's like, like fifteen of those in Right there's a there's a zillion of those out yeah. west, but it's because they have crazy good fisheries. So the musky fishery in Maine has potential to be great for sure, and it actually is great. It's pretty good. It's pretty good right now. But um, but they uh, there's just no promotion. You know, there's Nobody a few people it. that guide. You know, there's a few. There's Wade Kelly from Kelly Camps who's great, you know, his camps are fantastic to stay at. If you've ever stayed up with Wade, Wade has like, just, he's a great guy. He has great camps. We've stayed up there, knows the fish, great guide, you know. There could be multiple Wades, you know, but there's not because there's just not enough people. Not enough demand. Willing, right, not enough demand. And so it's like, it's unfortunate, but, um, but whatever, it's great for me. It sounds sweet. I it's want great in. for me. I want in. I, I don't think this year is a good year for me. But it's great for I me. I want in, dude. All right. Next year, 20, 2022. 
I want to go. I want to go take the six mile hike. Okay, you're in. You can. I'll sit in the canoe while you carry me up. Dude, I've done crazier shit. <laughs> I feel like so. <laughs> I got stories too that are yes. nuts, and you're like, yes, for but for a forty inch fish. Yep, forty inch fish. Let's do it. Okay, Down. you're in. Um, let's talk gear setup. So okay, what are you what are you using for rod, reel, line? So reels are not important. Okay, muskie are not running. They're not running. And to be honest, it's a lot like a guy once described it to me as, um, he said it's like heroin, basically. I've never taken heroin, so I don't know. But he said it's like heroin. It's mm. like that quick high. It's like the most amazing one-minute high that you're chasing. You know, that initial jolt is so euphoric. Yep. It's like... Well, it's usually a visual attack that you see. You're well, basically... Right? You're basically... You're casting not long distances, usually, unless you're on the St. John... Um, you're not casting long distances. Yep. You're pretty short. It's pretty tight. Yeah, if it's only 20 feet wide. You right. You typically see the fish. Yep. It's either following or you see it strike. Um, you know, you, there are obviously times when you don't and you're fishing deep or whatever. But um, And then the fight is, it's a big fish, so obviously it fights hard. But in a minute, it's pretty much over. Yep. And so you're basically chasing, you know, this 60-second high. And it's like the most euphoric 60 seconds. So your reel is not that important. You don't, they're not running like a tarpon. Yeah. You know, they're not running like a bonefish or something, you know, some, you know. It's just a good line holder it's for you. Just, yeah, it's just a good line holder. Um, so what weight rod are you using? Eight to 10 in yep. Maine. Out west, they, or, you know, Midwest, they would say like 10 to 12. Sure. You know, but here, eight to 10. Yeah. Um, if you're going on the tighter rivers, then a shorter one. Mm-hmm. Um, because, a figure eight is a big thing for musky. Yeah, you and I have heard of that. I was going to ask you about that. And so about I'll, I'll, I'll get into it later. But so a shorter rod, you know, eight, nine feet, tops. Yeah, tops, yeah. Tops. Yeah. Um, something stout, something powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're chucking heavy flies all day long. Sure. So, you know, your arm will get tired if you don't have. If you're going to try to, you know, oh, I could get away with a seven weight. No, you, you won't. If you're going to chuck, you know heavy fly for three days your arm's gonna be toast yeah. so you know i use eight nine i use a nine a lot yeah. nine's my favorite to use i don't need to work very hard to get the fly out it's got enough backbone to land those big fish yeah. nine weight nine foot nine weight eight foot it's great um that's fantastic and then the leader setup which is what line you're using the line are you okay using sink tip or are we talking floating i use both i use i use three kinds actually so i use a like a sink tip that's um quicker something like 10 inches per second eight inches per second Oh wow! because i want it to get down like that sure and then i basically want to slowly strip it in if i'm fishing deep usually you're fishing you are stripping it slowly yeah um and then i have an intermediate something that's like one to one to two three inches you know just getting it a couple feet foot or two below the water yep and then I have floating for poppers. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I've never heard of this. Oh, yeah. I'm only, all I've ever heard of is the old figure eight technique. Oh, yeah. So. Last year, I I almost don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> hey, dude, last year. Hey, don't. You've said enough if you've said poppers. Last year, I, I had easily, I mean, we, I, I've never seen a fish move water before. Like like Moses, essentially. Like yeah. I've never seen a fish part water before. Yeah. And 
I was popping over a weed bed and a fish moved water. Yeah. You ever seen a big ship go into the water when they like drop it in? Yeah. And it like the water of goes course, out. Yeah, you get these huge waves. Huge waves. Right. That happened with a fish though. And this fish hit my popper, yeah. which was like a nine inch popper. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen a nine inch popper. Before. Oh, it, it was it was a good size popper. Wow, I, oh, good yeah. size. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ones that fish are nine inches. <laughs> so, I mean, sorry, nine nine centimeters. Yeah. So, Tiny. and uh, it inhaled it. God. And uh, this fish had to have been upper twenty pounds. Cool. Like forty eight plus. Yeah. Like just a, I mean, just a freak. Yeah. Just like, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, and so... So they're not just eating bait fish. They're eating frogs. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, again, they're not picky about what they eat. They're yeah. just the size. Like, yeah. you just got to get... So they will come up, which yeah. is cool. And uh, so it hit, and I, I just... I was not ready. I mean, yeah. I just was not ready. So it sounds so, like you're going back this year with floating line only. With oh, yeah. Drivers. Oh, yeah. I know exactly where I'm even, going. And I know exactly. I know exactly what I'm doing for many, many hours in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the line, yeah. So the line, I have all three. Yeah. Um, you go like musky fishing will test your endurance mentally. Yeah. Mentally for sure. Well, when they say a fish of 10,000 casts, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't mean you're just out there for a long time. Yeah. It means you're working. And you, you'll go out there and like, you'll see like last year, I think we saw like 40 fish. Wow. We saw, like we saw 40 fish, yep. you know, in like follows Four, right? yeah, follows and yeah. You know, so they're they're out there. Like you'll see them for sure. If you go out for three days, you, you'll see plenty of fish. Yeah. Whether or not they bite is another question. Um, so anyway, so line all three, quick sink, you know, quick cool. sink tip, whatever, intermediate floating, and then the leader. I use pretty much the same leader. I sell it on my website. I sell the one that I use. Yeah. It's basically, um, it's like a foot and a half or two foot of forty pound um, wire. Yep. Um, with a quick clip on the end, because just a paw flies on and off. Sure. And then there's another, so that's like a foot and a half, I think. And then uh, three and a half feet or four feet of uh, like 50-pound mono. Yeah. So really short, like short leaders. That's awesome. Yeah, like four, because you need to figure eight. And to turn those big flies over, you can't have a long leader. Your fly will not. your fly will fall flat. So oh, you need a really short. foot leader with that. Right. You just couldn't, you couldn't turn yeah. the fly over. So short leader stout some guys do a bunch of transitions um a lot of guys i know just use one they'll use like 80 pound mono yeah um, just like four feet of yeah just four feet of 80 pound mono yeah. and but um but yeah i like the wire bite wire guard on the end yeah because they got teeth right yeah oh yeah big yeah yeah very very toothy like incredibly toothy so that's the leader what's the real name they're muscalunge muscalunge yeah muscalunge is their essox is their if you're looking for their scientific name, Essox is there. Oh, that's what Essox is. Yeah, that's Dang. that's that's like Pike Muskie. Oh, it's I, like a family. Yeah, that's their that's their that's their family. I don't know what their species is. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. But yeah, is it their genus. I don't know. I'm just throwing science terms out there. <laughs> stick genus. to stick to math. Species. Yeah. God. I, S- I, I shouldn't tell people what I had to teach science this year. Oh boy. Their science name oh is Essox Musquinogni. Okay. There is there, so that's okay. where they're yeah. So I've seen that term thrown out there on social media. That's like the pike family, the musky family, you know, the the toothy critter family. Cool, I like that. Um, so 
you've given us a setup, you've given us the places, not places, but you've given us sure. the type of yep. water you yep. look for. Yeah, yeah. Spots in Maine. Um, we've talked about what type of fish are on them, what are they, what are they after? Um, do you want to talk, you talk seasons, let's talk techniques. Okay. So you, you've mentioned this figure eight and some people sure. may know what you're talking about and some people may not. I know what a figure eight is. Sure. Just I've seen it on video. Um, so basically you need, I have changed my tactics, of course, as I've learned and I figure eight almost every cast now. Yep. And I can't tell you how many times I've had a muskie follow my fly and I'm just slowly stripping it in. And when I get to the end, instead of figure eighting, I'll just let it sit there. That's what I kind of did at the beginning. Yep. And one time I had a fly, like a smaller one, like a six inch fly or something, four inch, four and a half, five inch fly. And I was slowly stripping it and the muskie was like underneath it. And I got to the end where I couldn't strip anymore. So I just let it sit and the fly actually it sunk and it landed on the muskie's nose and it just sat there and the muskie just looked at it, like was looking at it. You could see his eyes like looking at it on the end of his nose. And I was like, are you serious? Yep. You know? And, uh, so crazy. yeah. So I started to figure eight and then I started to get more intrigue and you, you might be thinking what's figure eight. You basically stick your rod down into the water. So you, you need to be in a boat to do it. Yeah. Stick your rod down in a, in the water and you make a figure eight where your fly, you know, is only four or five feet away from the tip of your rod sure. because your leader is short. So when you make the figure eight, let's say, let's say you're floating down river and yep. you're looking, looking off the left side of the boat. Yep. Okay. And the fish is coming at you from the right. Do you kind of start the figure eight and wave it in front of his face and then take it away from him? The Or is it the opposite? Do you go away from him and bring it back to him? What's So if you're in the boat, you'll never see a muskie come from the right side if you're looking to the left. The muskie will oh, always he's be... He's not coming from downstream? He's coming from upstream? No, they'll always just follow the fly. Okay, so kind of straight out. Yeah, so they'll always just follow it. I've never had one like dart out from an opposite direction so or upstream or downstream. When you're, when you're casting, are you like straight to the bank or are you at a 45? I'm usually straight to the bank. And okay. usually I don't, I try not to drift too much. What I try to do is anchor. Yeah. Because what I try to do is get into a position that's, uh, you're looking for like stuff with a lot of structure. Yeah, or that's, a good, that's a good point. What are you looking for? You're like, looking for you stuff. To? They're uh, hide and weight predators. Yeah. So structure. Uh, weed beds, yep. you know, sunken logs, that kind of thing. Yep. Big rocks. Um, Casting to the edge of the weed beds. Yep. And either pulling it along the weed beds. Um, if you're in like a pool, mm -hmm. they don't mind like sitting in a pool off of some current. They'll definitely just sit in a pool. Yeah. Um, so that's another good place to look. But you want to cast through it and. I anchor because I want to hit it with many tactics. So, and I want to change my fly. So yeah. I want to have like, you know, I want to try hitting it low and slow. I want to try hitting it kind of a little quicker. Yep. And if I'm feeling energetic, I'll throw a popper as so well. So this isn't, this isn't the story of where you're floating and you're just basically blind casting a ton. And that's where you're like 10,000 casts came from. You, you're just throwing multiple casts. With different techniques at one spot. In the same or spot. Same, same type of spot. So I've had like, I've had a time where I've casted a hundred times in the same spot. Wow. With many different flies. Yep. 
and then I'll just switch to whatever and just do something a little bit, and then boop, yeah, pop, pops out of nowhere. They're like ghosts. They're they're like ghosts. They just pop. You're like hold. You're like holy. Happens shit. like with nymphing and stuff too, though. When you're going for trout salmon, for sure, for sure. You like hit us. You're like, oh yeah. my god, I've drifted this thing fifty yep. times, and yep. why are they taking them? <clears throat> yeah, I have no idea. It might just be that time for them to feed, and so. Um, do you believe in that, by the way? What kind of off topic, but well, not off topic, but time. I believe that fish have like, like. For whatever reason, they just start feeding, or they just stop feeding, and it's like you call it like a kitchen faucet, where it just turns on. Yeah. And they're like, "I'm gonna feed right now." Don't you? As a person. Yes. Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. So why would fish be any different? It's just interesting to me because it's like, it's like you've thrown. What if you're right on the edge of that faucet turning on, and you've thrown like forty, you know, drifts or casts in one area, and then all of a sudden the forty-first one's like, "All right, hey." Oh, the, the clock just hit six o'clock. Let's eat. I um, I wrote a blog about that. I wrote a blog about does changing your fly matter? Mm. And I don't think it does, but a lot of people do. Yeah, I don't think it does because I've done that where you use the same fly, you do the same drift a hundred times, and then boom, you okay. catch you hit, and you're like, oh, right. why didn't it take this before? Yeah. And they, it's you know, not that they're not there. It's not that they're not there. They're there. Yeah, muskie are there. Trout are there. Whatever. Yeah, All the I, fish are there. Yeah. It's just when they're ready to feed, they'll feed. Yeah. And trout... They don't feed out of curiosity. They feed out of hunger. Very true. So... It's the opposite of people, I feel like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't... Is that what you do? You just randomly go down the street I mean, and you're, you're curious and you're like, oh, that looks bored. good. People even they're bored. Sure. Fish are... They don't get bored. No. You know, they, they don't have that level of intellect to yeah, get bored. So No. So, you know, so <laughs> musky... Musky, the bigger musky, will eat... Once a month. Yeah. So the big muskie, when you see like a 20 to 30 pound muskie, once a month they're eating. Really? Yeah. So one day or one hour? One meal. One meal? One meal. Like one nine inch fish, like a sucker? Yep, that's it. Yep. See you later. One month. Really? So you get that. If you catch a big one, that's your opportunity. That so yep. maybe that's why they're so hard to catch. For sure. Because when they get bigger. Is this, is listen, is this something that you've like experimented with or is this like scientific this is known this is a fact yeah this is known. yeah yeah wow. yeah three That's crazy yeah like two 14 to 28 days yeah um there's like a trout will feed like four or five times a day the bigger ones the smaller ones they'll feed true they'll they'll, they'll feed regularly um but the bigger ones those those monster ones they're feeding like you know once twice a month they're like anacondas it's amazing yeah it's amazing that they get that big yeah and they don't eat them so that's why the big ones are so hard to catch because yeah. they just they just don't feed. And so they're not like pike. They're not like a big brook trout. Like a big brook trout is eating four to five times a day every day for its yeah. entire life. Right. Musky or not. Yeah. And so when they eat, when they're like, yep, it's re- it's time to go, you're like <laughs> – the fact to even think that they would bite your fly – is so astronomical. Yeah. It's just it's tough to even comprehend. So any uh, here's a here's an interesting question that you probably don't think about too much. But any advantage to fishing at night for them? So yes, like time of day. I guess that's another thing. I've never up, but... I've never fished at night for them. Yeah, but I've talked to many people. Yeah, and fishing at night presents opportunities. Yeah, that are great. Yeah, I have never just because it's where we go is so isolated. <laughs> it's really sketchy. Yeah. So. I uh, I have never, but I think this year we're going to try. Um, Do you find that they eat at a certain time of day better? Like when you've had fish steak? Nope. Does it matter if it's noon or nope. five? Or? Nope. Nope. Absolutely cool. not. Cool. Um, which 
I have no I have noticed that they do shut down depending on water temperature in the hot times. So they won't even follow. Yeah. Like compared to they like, you know In June is different than in yeah. August or yeah. July. So I have noticed that. Um, so if you're going in the warmer days, mornings, evenings, and nights would probably be better because I've noticed that they shut down. But that being said, you know, last year it was the middle of the day. It was as hot as could be. And, you know, Ben from pocket water meter, he landed one at like two, 2 PM sun was shining high, Sweet. you know, like just like, you know, water. So it's, I, again, I'll fall back on this. I know absolutely nothing about them. I know everything. The more I learn about them, the less I understand about the fish. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll always, we've now, we've pegged it down Well, we can really definitively know that, hey, we're going to see them for yeah. sure. I know where they live. I know what they're looking for um, as far as flies are concerned. And I can always find them. Yeah. Getting them to bite is just a coin flip. So no speed stripping. I, I haven't had any slow. luck. I haven't had any luck. I've done most of it slow. What about the popper? You're not doing a figure eight with the popper. Nope. I'm just, you know, classic popper. Yeah. A couple small pops, maybe one big pop, let it sit, you know. So. That's cool. Yeah. So that's cool. And so, yeah. So I, going back to floating down, I, I like to just canoe and anchor and then hit the spot really hard, move down 100 yards, hit the next spot, you know, yep. fish along the way. But I, I, I really like to. Look liked for what it. you're looking for. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Is this like, does this area stick out to me? Is there a tree down? Is there something unique about this spot that, yep. you know, has something that the rest of the river doesn't? Then that probably will have a fish. How many uh, How many days do you like for for a musky trip? Like obviously, if you had a week, you would, would, would ideally love to do that. Ideally, or like what I do, typically, we usually do five days. Yeah. Um. Because I mean, it's a day to get there. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, yeah. We leave it like crack of dawn. We get there at like four. And then, uh, you know, we fish the evening and then we fish for four days and then we might fish the morning, but we're pretty tuckered out by then. Sure. Ideally, I'd go for probably like 10, 10. What, what time are you getting on the water early? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Daybreak. Like long days, like 14 hour days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough. It, it's if you're like, if you're just looking for a good time and you don't want to challenge, you just want to catch fish. I, I would not recommend going musket fishing. Yeah, it's for the it's for the guy who wants fourteen hours out there. Yeah, grind like grinding, like testing your abilities, testing your your will, testing your you know your grit. That's yeah. that's for the challenge most fish. Yeah, for sure. And there, I mean, there are certain places where you don't get that, you know. Um, and what we have been thinking about, we haven't done it, and this is this is how much your will gets tested. So rod and reel guys are much more successful than fly guys. Um, one, you can cover more ground, you can do it quicker, your baits are more, you know, realistic, and there's all kinds of things. Sure. Um, we've thought about, like, bringing a rod and reel, which for me is, like, crazy. It's taboo. That's almost taboo, and that's yeah. how, like, mind-bending the experience is. But that's, is. like, what people do in the ocean a lot of time, like fly fishermen, right? They'll, like, bring a spin, spin rod to get fish excited, and then they throw the fly rod out there after. I have no idea. I've never done it. I've seen that with like uh, people do that with like uh, swordfish and like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The big ones, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, because they literally they can just drive you mad. Yeah. Like drive you mad. They really can. Feel good if you bring one in on a spin rod. No, absolutely not. That's why we haven't done it. That's why we haven't done it because it's like it defeats the purpose of it. I wouldn't even know where to start, man. It defeats the purpose of it for me, but you know, if you're trying to just catch one, 
if you're just trying to catch one, that's the way to go. You yeah. can just go to the store, get a honk and musky lure. They're like 20 bucks for a lure and boom, you're good. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it tests you as a person emotionally, physically, mentally, it cool. tests you. It, it can, there are days when it doesn't, you know, for sure. Right. But there are days where it can. And like fishing for brook trout and salmon, I've never had a day that, that tested me mentally, physically, and emotionally. Yeah, I mean, we've all had slow days. Never. And anybody sure. listening to this has had those days where it's like hours and hours and hours and you haven't had any sure. any hits and you're like, man, this is this is frustrating. But with that being said, you're not throwing a nine-inch fly most of the time. Your shoulder's killing you. I've never had a 30-hour stretch of fishing where I haven't caught a brook trout and I'm targeting them. That's a good point, yeah. I don't know anyone don't... that has. Not even, not even that, not even a bite. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like for musky, I've had a 30-hour stretch where... Yeah. I have not gotten a bite. You can totally suck and still get a bite. <laughs> right. For you know, a <laughs> six-inch brook trout, like whatever. Something, right. you know, yes. something. Yes. So, and the thing is with musky is the flies that you're fishing with, yep. you're only catching musky. Yep. That's it. So, like, when you're fishing for brook trout, there's a chance that you might catch a chub. There's a chance, I mean, a good chance that you'll catch a chub. Great chance. A good chance that you'll catch a salmon. Yep. A good chance that you'll catch a sucker. You know, something else. But you you're know? not catching something else when you're musky fishing. No, you're just going for musky. Yep. That's it. So it's your you're Man, putting this is cool. You're, you're putting me kind of. You're putting all your eggs in one basket. You're getting you're getting the wheels turning for me good. now. Good. I, I hope I'm I get definitely more. Definitely not doing a DIY so trip myself. It's but. it was tough when we decided to do it. It was it was between Atlantic salmon. Yeah. And like you know Miramichi or uh, musky. Yeah. And we just chose musky and. Thank goodness. Cause we got a guy up there, dude. We could stay with maybe. I know. Bard, so Chris Bard, you listen, yeah. Chris. Chris, listen up. Yeah, if you listen, <laughs> you got a place we can pitch a tent. Let us know. So yeah, so the last thing um, I guess that I haven't got into is flies. Yes. So, so you want to talk about? I didn't know how much you wanted to divulge. So we've talked techniques. Oh. Um, but yeah, let's do this. Especially since you're, uh, do you ever tie musky flies for people? Yep, I have requests. Yep, sometimes. Um, a lot of people that are just looking for the first time for flies are surprised at the cost of yes. them. Um, but how much long time does it take you? It takes right? about, to tie a good one, it takes about an hour. Yeah. Um, and so when I say, hey, That's this... That's a long time for one fly. Yeah. So I say, there, hey, it's about 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, for this fly. And, um, you know, I never knew with flies that they could cost that much, but it's, mm-hmm. it's if you go in any fly shop now yeah, and you're yeah. looking at ocean... Yeah. Um, Flies, you know, stuff for stripers or whatever. Like, hollow flies go for, like, what, 40, 50 bucks sometimes? Yes, if, like, really big ones, really nice ones. You can get, like, really expensive. Yeah. Like, 20 bucks is nothing for, but like, it's a such, nice... it's such great, um, you know, people are putting such great quality in these flies, and it's, it's taking them an hour. An hour. Like, nobody's doing yeah. anything in this world for $5 an no, hour. Right. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, so I have sold a few. Um, you know, probably, probably, I don't know, 100 at this point. I've, I've done quite a few, actually. But they... Um, yeah, they're so the flies for musky are big. Yeah. Now in Maine, there's a secret that I'll give to everyone for free, is that the biggest like out west they're using like 15 inch flies, like as big as your arm flies. Those Jeez. those aren't like rocking in Maine. Those aren't great in Maine. And that's one hook. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you get fibers? It's all uh, it's all artificial stuff, right? That's not we're not talking bucktail here. We're talking no. You can get so like let's say you get some seven inch bucktail. Yeah. And you just make an articulated streamer, you know. So you have articulations on the end that go. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you have an like an articulation on the end that goes six inches back. Gotcha. And then you tie a seven inch strand off that. You have a thirteen inch fly. So in Maine, though, um, like how do you fit that in your vice? Well. 
carefully. Carefully. So when I tie my big ones, so I've tied some big ones for people, and the TRV, the HMH vice, eight odd hooks, no problem. That's cool. So, you know, if you're looking for a musky vice, TRV is spectacular. HMH is top sure. of the line, man. And it's so yep. cool that we have it right here in Maine. That's... Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So the um, shameless plug right there. Too. Yeah, shameless plug. Love shameless plug. I do. I love HMH. I love my vice. It's the, it's the best vice I I've ever had. I got Christmas, and I I am not. We don't get paid. We're not. We're nope. not pros or nope. reps or anything for HMH. Nope. But None of that. It's fantastic. Yep. And I've had I've had just a great experience having it just for the last four months. Yep. So. Same. Shameless plug. Shameless plug right there. Sweet. Support local. So the um. The flies in Maine for muskie, the best ones that have produced, like, the most follows or the most bites or whatever are, for me, like, six to eight inches. Yep. So they're about half the size of the ones out west. And it makes sense. We have muskie that are about half the size. And it just seems like the muskie here, again, I talk about how they're after a particular size. It yeah. seems like that six to nine inch range is the size that they are attacking, sure. you know. And so... As far as color is concerned, I have no tips. As far as like style, <laughs> bucktail, I would say. Yeah. Um, you like I, eyes? No eyes? Uh, I like eyes, but. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. No. Um, I've had multiple takes on white flies, but I've Same. also had multiple takes on like periwinkle and bright orange flies. Wow. Red and white. Yeah. Red and black, black, purple, pink. It's just like. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier. They don't really care what they're eating. They don't. It seem like. They don't. But when they're going to eat, they're going to eat something. Yep. They just so. Eat whatever's there. All I do is just bait fish. That's all. You're all. You're. And even like Bufords, if you've, if you've never seen a Buford, go ahead and look up a Buford. It doesn't look like anything. And last year, Ben landed one on a really nice Buford, this black, purple, and white with gold and silver flash. And a Buford, it's the flies that you're tying. It's not, the color is important for sure, but it's more about how much water can they push? Mm. How much water can this fly push? And Bufords, if you've ever seen one, is like, you can't push more water than that. Because yep. the muskie, they're hunting with their lateral line a lot of the times. Visual as well, but they feel it first yep. and then they see it. So if you can have something pushing... Like a bulky head. Yeah, super bulky. Like yeah. dense and bulky. If you can push a lot of water, um, you're in the right ballpark. Yeah. You know, you're in the right ballpark. And then it's just a matter of time. Nice. It's just a matter of time. You'll get follows. You might get some bites. Landing them is... There is a tip that I will give. If you do get one on, you do not trout set. You strip like crazy. Like a hard strip like, set. Like just keep stripping. Just keep stripping. So when you're doing the figure eight with them, do you have like your your rod your rod hand like way out from your body so that I have if it. you miss a strip set, you can pull back too? If you miss a strip set, you're out. It's done. See ya. Yep. It's all done. It's well, another of... question I have for you actually that I was going to ask you earlier. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Um, is your rod tip always in the water when you're stripping? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Rod tip's always in the water. Yep. And so you get one, you just got to strip like three or four times. Like hard, like hard strips. Because yep. their mouths are really bony, like yep. really bony, and so you're not driving a hook through the bone. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. When you're stripping, you gotta hope that it wiggles in between a bone, because you gotta like really, really, really strip. And you know, I've had, I've had musky on for like thirty seconds, where I'm like, yep, 
this one's in the bag, and they pop off. They jump too, by the way. They jump. Yeah. I learned oh that. Gosh. I learned that the hard way. I didn't know. I had like crazy. you know like a 15, 20 pounder on, and it jumped out of the water, and I was like, <laughs> I was so shocked. I didn't know. I didn't know that they jumped. And uh, yeah, they sure do. They jump high, like like a you know like a tarpon, like a salmon. Like a they salmon, jump. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they jump. And so. Uh, so yeah, so strips that really, really hard, and when it gets close to the boat, get it in. Yeah. No playing it. No nothing. Like when you figure eight, you might, you might hook it and net it in five seconds. Yeah. That, it's not about the fight. There is not. There's nothing about the fight. It's about landing it, getting wow. in the boat. Because like every second that it's on your line is another second that it's probably gonna come off. Yeah. You know, it's probably gonna come off because your hook will never be. There's no, there's very little flesh in their mouth. So the chance that you have a really solid hook set are slim. Yeah. It's really slim. So you just got to strip set, strip set, strip set. And then, you know, when it's close, net it. Yeah. You need a big net. We typically don't, we try not to bring a net because you can, we're in a canoe and it's low water. So you can typically just get right in there and kind of handle it. Yeah. But, um, I nice think to have a big one though. Yeah, I think this year we're gonna we're gonna bring a bigger net because when we started searching lakes more and uh, a big net is useful in a big lake. Makes sense for sure. Yeah. So Makes you know, sense. but yeah, so flies they're expensive for sure. Yeah. Um, Do you ever fish anything small? No, nope. like six inches is as small as we go. Cool. You know. Five inches, maybe, if it's, like, a super bulky. It looks so funny, though. <laughs> it just, like, it's essentially like a ball of deer hair, essentially. Right. You know, they just look silly. So, but, yeah, six inches is small. Most, I've seen that. I think you posted that. They're just, like, pfft, just. It looks crazy. Dude, they're just, like, balls of dense fur. But, like. Um, is it, like, spun deer hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you spin deer hair. You, um, you basically. You yeah, <laughs> it's essentially, you just spin it and don't. Leave it. Spin it and don't trim it. Um, Sounds like my kind of fly. Yeah, it's it's not bad. They're they're really they're really hard to tie beautifully. Like they're really hard to make beautiful. Yeah. They're really easy to tie. Like they're not hard to tie. Yeah. They're really difficult to make uh, to make them look. Is it a proportion thing? Yeah, it's a proportion, and then the thread. Your thread. It's all about the thread. If you don't have the right thread, it's all about the right deer hair too. If you don't have the right deer hair to spin it, then yeah. it sucks. You know, it sucks, but. So yeah, so flies are tough. I you know, <laughs> you this is why I use wire leaders and a fifty pound clip because losing a fly is like burning a <laughs> you know it's burning an hour of my time. Right. So you know a thirty dollar bill for people you know twenty dollar bill for people. So yeah, I um, that's why I always use the wire and uh, like we just I got to restock. We just sold out because I pitched it to some musky guys and they were like, oh, this is great. Yep. Leaders is like the number one question I get about it. What kind of leader do you use? And I'm always like, well, we sell them. The ones that well, I nobody use. Nobody likes you losing know. their stuff. Right. That's why. Right. So. That's great advice though for people. Yeah. So, but yeah, if you're looking to get into it, you know, just be prepared to spend, you know, that would be a good time to learn how to fly, how to tie flies. Yeah. <laughs> That's one where you actually might save money because... <laughs> <laughs> every other every other type of fly tying, you don't save money. No, because you're just buying all kinds of different stuff that you only use maybe for one type of yes. fly. And it <laughs> yes. just gets sitting there. 
I mean, dude, I've made fly tails. I think I've had them for like eight years. Yeah. It's like one package. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't need to tie that off because I don't lose those right, type of flies right. often. You got like a little tiny BWO that you're using it it's for crazy. or whatever, so you don't tie That's it very often. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, cool. Well, is there anything uh, anything else musky you can think of that we didn't? Yeah. The um, If you're going up there to fish for musky, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that instead of doing a DIY or do a DIY, you know, go up for five days, but for one day, Spend your money on a guide up there. Cool. Spend your money. It's whatever, a couple hundred bucks. You'll learn so much information. Like I went, you know, the first time we went, it was such a, it was great and it was fun and we learned a lot, but I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. No idea. And so I wasted a lot of time and energy doing stuff that if I had spent a day with a guide, I would have learned all of it just like that. Yeah. And so spend a day with a guide. You'll actually have a good chance of catching one. Yeah. You know, if you go by yourself and you don't know what you're doing, there's a low chance that you're going to catch one. You'll probably see one, but catching it is a whole different ball game. Just to put it in perspective, like hardcore musky guys, when they're talking to each other, they include the amount of follows that they had in the day. Yeah, because that's a win. Because that's a win. Yeah. That's like as that's almost as good as catching one. Right. You know, like it's it's really hard to get one just to follow on a fly. Sure. So, um. Yeah, but yeah, spend your money up there on a guide. Cool. And that's an authentic plug from you right there because you're not pushing any one person. No, no. You're just saying, no. you know, shop around or yes. find somebody. Good. It's good for the people up there. It's good for the area. It's good yeah. for your experience. Yeah. Man. You know, it's just, it's a win-win for it. For sounds, it sounds nerve-wracking just going out there. Yeah. You know. And, and the other thing is when you see one, when you see a muskie for the first time, don't piss your pants. You yeah. need to you need to turn it into a figure eight. Yeah. Because when you see one, you'll be so you'll be like, oh my God. And you just leave it. You just you, you forget everything yeah. that you've learned and you just leave it because you're like, that must work. Right. Continue doing just, what you're doing. And it just pops up out of the depths, you know. And you're yeah. Like, oh wow. yeah, they're they're just ghost like. You wouldn't believe that a forty inch fish could do a figure eight in like a four to five foot loop, but yeah. they, they will just like nice and tight. just nice and tight figure eight, change your depths, change your speeds and they will pop up and they, they will take it. It's yeah. they will, they will. So, wow. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for sure. So fire it up, man. Good. People have been posting a lot of fish and stuff early, you know, season, season opened last week and people have been posting a lot of fish and stuff. I haven't got out. Yep. It's yet, so, um, yep. Chomping at the bit, dude. Well, um, here's your here's your uh, here's a little little teaser for you. I love it. You know, um, so this is this is fish number five of our fish series. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna run it back, hopefully, with James Brown and do a striper episode that we already um, we already recorded, but got deleted somehow. In case people forgot, uh, <laughs> Aaron actually deleted the entire. Yeah, podcast. Uh, I'm going with the corrupt file story. Corrupt sure. file, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, so that'll be our last fish for this. Um, something I wanted to kind of talk about with the podcast. I didn't really tell you about this, but um, been approached by a few people about taking this and you know turning into like a weekly show where you get to try to average a certain amount of downloads and make money off it and stuff. And um, I've respectfully turned those down because I don't. I don't ever want the show to be monetized. I want it to just be uh, true passion and and not just a weekly, all right, well, can we just find something to talk about this week? Like, we want to have an agenda, 
and we want to push people that are doing cool things here in Maine. Um, we want to push fish and opportunities over here in Maine. We want to push conservation here in Maine um, at, at no cost. Like, I do not, I'm not doing this. The only ads you'll ever hear from me are people that we have on the show um, or people that we'd probably like to get on in the future. Um, but there's, there's no monetary element to the show. It's just a thing that for me and for you, it's just mm-hmm. a big, it's a big hobby for us. Yeah, for sure. It's just a lot of fun and we've had ridiculous feedback and our show actually is sitting at around 17,000 downloads. Pretty solid. Not bad for, which is pretty cool for two idiots talking on a microphone. Yeah. And my Not feedback bad. from people is that, um, they like listening because it's just, it's, it, it's just conversation. Yeah, for sure. That's you the best know? thing. I do have one plug. Please do. Summer, I was going to ask you by the, the Summer Showcase. I have Summer Showcase, July 10th at Thompson Point uh, in Brunswick. Uh, three parts, Striper Tournament. You can sign up on our Eventbrite page. It's on my website underneath the Events tab, mainflyguys.com on the Event tab. Um, so there's a Striper Tournament. That goes from 12.01 to I think it's 4 or 5 p.m., um, longest length you'll take pictures bring your own tape measure take pictures of your fish whoever has the most total length will tally it up um just 12 o'clock noon that starts 12 one in the morning oh wow yeah yeah yeah. so yeah as soon as the day starts gotcha um we'll tally it up there's um there's wading a prize for wade fishermen and a prize for boat fishermen uh first second and third place um get paid uh either in cash or prizes there is an expo throughout the day from, again, I think it's 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. where we're going to have local vendors. I think we have 15 or so right now signed up. Local vendors, all fly fishing, centric people, um, you know, Native Fish Coalition, some Androscoggin River Land Trust, places like that that are going to be there for education. They'll have me, Maine Fly Guys there, Maine Fly Co. there, who's co-sponsoring it with me or co-hosting, I should say. Um, HMH is going to be there. So a bunch of different local businesses are going to be there, um, all fly fishing related. And then we're going to have an after party at Trinken Brewery. It's a local brewery. Um, and we'll be announcing the winner of the tournament and they're doing a really cool thing. The whole expo, the whole thing, it's nonprofit. Everything is getting donated to the Togus chapter of Project Healing Water. Um, and if you don't know what Project Healing Water is, they basically help um, wounded vets, veterans who are struggling, veterans who, you know, need some camaraderie in their life, um, after they've done their service, they help them, uh, you know, give support. They help them get back into fly fishing if they've lost it. Um, or they bring people who have, you know, veterans who have never experienced fly fishing, they help them get into it. And it's, we've talked to, to some members now and it's, you know, it's incredible. The life things changing. it's it's life changing. It's yeah. life changing. So it's really good, and so we're we're really thrilled that we could you know just give something back to them because they give so much to to anglers in our community. So what Trinken is doing is for every pour for every you know pour. I think we're making our own beer for the um, we're making our own beer from Trinken. I think it's called the Stripa IPA. Joel Susi is the inventor of that one. The cool. Stripa IPA. So. Nice. Um, but yeah, so for every pour, they're going to donate $1 to Project Healing Waters. Awesome. So super great. We've already, you know, got a bunch of, of, uh, of cash 
flowing in for donations and it's just all, it's going to such a great cause. So if you, um, one, I guess a bunch of things, one, want to sign up for the angling tournament, please do. Um, the more anglers there are, the bigger the prize will be. So, um, please sign up. It's a hundred dollars for a team of two. Again, it's weighting and boating are separate. Um, so a hundred dollars for a team of two. Um, if you want to be an exhibitor at the expo, if you want to add, um, we're not limiting how many people can come. If you want to show up, it's a hundred dollars for a booth for the day and you get a booth all to yourself all day long. Um, which is pretty good deal, I think. And then if you want to be a sponsor or know a company that would like to sponsor this event, um, please feel free to reach out to me or at main fly guys on Instagram or at, uh, or to Jeff at Main Fly Co. Um, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Um, if you know a company that would like to sponsor, we have some sponsorship deals that you could set up, donations where you can donate $100, $500, $1,000, and in return you'll, you'll get, you know, you'll, you'll get a promotion that you're a sponsor and you're helping out Project Healing Waters. So that's my pitch. Um, I hope that everyone will be there. It should be a great time. It's going to be held outside. We know that, you know, COVID's still prevalent. People should be vaccinated hopefully by then. But, you know, we wanted to make it still as safe as possible. So it's going to be held outside. Plenty of space where we have it. It's a very, very nice area, large area right on the coast. So it's it's going to be safe and fun for everyone for sure. Pretty sweet to start a new tradition too. Pretty cool. We're excited. Yeah. It's definitely lacking in Maine. And, yeah, you know, it, it's something that needs to be done and give something, you know, People are tired of sitting inside all day and things seem to be turning to a brighter page. And this is an opportunity to one, give to a great cause and two, get out with fishy people, you know, and talk with like-minded people, meet, you know, the, the people that you see behind the Instagram handles, you know, talk with them and actually see that they're real people who like the things that, that you like, like, you know? Yeah. We're, we're all the same. So yeah. So it's a good, it's a good event. I'm excited about it. And we've had all these, you know, shows have been canceled in the wintertime because yep. we're all indoors and, yep. you know, mass, mass congregation type places. Yep. So, so. Um, this is a cool thing. This is something yep. for people to put on their calendar. I'll be there just hanging out and uh, I'm excited for it too. Yeah, so. for sure. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. Any questions at all, I'll take them. I've already gotten a, a bunch of questions. So, nice. yeah, feel free to, to reach out. I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody would have. Love it. This is this is gonna be such a cool thing. Very very exciting for everybody. Um, just lastly before we go, uh, like I said, I don't I don't have any paid advertising. I don't want to, mm-hmm. and uh, I just want to give a quick plug to people we've had on before. So you have Greg Labonte here of Main Fly Guys, um, sells all kinds of really cool fly fishing stuff at affordable cost, quality products, uh, custom flies. Um, you got Nate White does the same thing with the custom flies, just fantastic stuff. And probably doesn't want me to push anymore because he gets so busy these <laughs> days. But uh, he's with North uh, Northwoods Fly Company. Megan Hess, Be Dead Fly Fishing. She's another uh, fly tire who is also a guide, um, loves to do stuff for Chandler Lake Camps, and, or loves a guide for Chandler Lake Camps and likes to guide for smallmouth bass also in the summer. Uh, great up-and-coming little fly tire, I'd say. I would say. Yeah, and uh, some of our other sponsors are Main Fly Company, uh, who is uh, co-hosting with 
main fly guys for the, the showcase and uh, do fantastic work with small batch rods. Um, and then some of our other people we've had on were uh, James Brown of, uh, he's main striper guide, kind of affiliated with the Eldridge Brothers Fly Shop. Um, kind of. Yeah, my, <laughs> my favorite fly shop. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, and uh, just a fantastic wading striper guide. Fantastic. And a, and a nut, and I can't wait to get him back on to talk some more striper stuff. And then uh, lastly is Grant's Kennebago Camps up in Rangeley. Um, I'm sure they're booked and swamped for the summer, but what a cool place. You get behind the gates and you're fishing for um, uh, brook trout and salmon. As we learned from the owner, John Blunt, uh, they have some actually really big brown trout also in there, which is very interesting, weird, but yeah. like it's kind of cool that it's there also. So yeah. um, thanks again for listening to another episode of our uh, fish series here and we'll catch you next time.